intellectual property is not a sexy topic, but it is a hot topic in 2020 as the landscape is changing. Amazon's making it easier to control IP, get on brand registry faster. So today we talked to Stephen Forte, who's with an IP law firm, Smith Hopin, to learn some of the latest and greatest best practices and latest news. This is the My Amazon Guy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Pope, founder of the agency, My Amazon Guy. Tune in each week to learn how to grow your Amazon sales. Stephen, thanks for coming on the My Amazon Guy podcast. Absolutely. I'm, I'm very happy to be here. You know, it's, it's, it's definitely a great opportunity, you know, especially to benefit the National Pediatric Can- Cancer Foundation. You know, that's really, you know, one of the charity events that our, our law firm likes to do. And it's a, great, it's a great organization. So, yeah. So tell us a little bit about the charity event and then let's dive into um, teaching some of our listeners a little bit more about intellectual property. But go ahead and give a plug for the charity event. Yeah, absolutely. So our law, our law firm has been doing a bunch of CLE events, continuing legal education for, for attorneys around the country. Um, and this is just an expansion of that. And, and all of you know those CLE events, the proceeds and everything, they go to benefit the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation. Um, so one of the, the, the benefits of doing this video is we just ask, you know, if your uh, viewers would like to donate or, you know, just take a minute, go and browse the, their website and, and, you know, support a great cause. Well, well, I appreciate you guys doing that. Um, and we're going to do a Q&A today on, on all things intellectual property. So super excited to talk about that. Um, I, I know nothing about patents. We'll talk a little <laughs> bit about patents as well today. Um, so interested in that. So, so I guess uh, I think most sellers at this stage know like, hey, if I get a trademark, I get a brand registered on Amazon and that's beneficial because I get A plus content and I get some special ads and stuff like that. There's probably more to it than that though. Why do you feel like, um, what, what do you think people are missing that they should know that when they invest in a trademark, they gain access to? It's a great question. So when you have a trademark, registered trademark, you know, whether it's the United States trademark or a select countries, you know, abroad, you know, you're able to register that trademark with Amazon brand registry. That's a really powerful tool um, because it helps prevent, you know, counterfeit goods, infringing marks and things like that. So when you register your brand on Amazon's, the brand registry itself, uh, you know, you're able to access, you know, a searching tool. You can search, you can even report, you know, infringing content and Amazon will take a look at it. They'll, they'll evaluate it. And then if it, you know, if it does infringe your, uh, your trademark, they'll end up taking down, taking down that listing. Um, you know, even with brand registry, they even have a new tool. Um, it's, it's, it's more recent. Um, it's called Amazon Project Zero. Um, and that one is even more powerful because a, you, you don't have to go through Amazon. They don't have to approve taking down the listing. So essentially, if you have a brand, it's registered with Amazon, and you, for at least six months, have a greater than 90% verified um, percentage you can, you know, just unilaterally without Amazon's approval, take down the infringers, the trademarks. Um, that approval is essentially, so when you submit it to something, you know, regular Amazon brand registry, Amazon's gonna take a look at it. And if they verify that it is an actual infringement, then they take it down. So if you, you know, if over a course of six months or more, you're reporting, you know, greater than 90% of those things and they're verified, you know, Amazon allows, you know, access to that. You know, one of the great benefits but is- that- I, I, think, I think we should hit that one home a little bit because I don't know if people are going to pick up on what we're talking about here. So, so what you're saying is, is when, if, if you currently are already reporting violators and Amazon is accepting 90% of the reports 
of those yeah. violations, they're now going to let you into what's called Project Zero, which is an automated acceptance mm -hmm. of your reports. Now, yep. this is interesting because even though we are correctly reporting uh, sellers who are violating trademarks, we're still seeing maybe a 50% success rate. So, I don't know how, like that 90% bar seems really, really high. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? I, I, yeah, while it is a high bar, you know, but I think that's beneficial because, you know, if this is an automated, you don't have to get really Amazon's approval, it's unilateral. You really want to make sure you're hitting that high bar because you don't want, you know, let's say someone's in at 70%, you know, still seven out of, or three out of 10 are wrong. And you don't want to take down someone's content who's actually not, you know, infringing the mark. Well, well, I guess what I'm getting at is I'm saying that their system sucks. I'm saying that like <laughs> when you file, when you file an infringement that's real, they just, for whatever reason, they don't approve the takedown, even when it's a real submission. That's, that's what I'm saying. So like, I, I'm mm -hmm. saying the 90% bar on their part is incredibly high, especially mm -hmm. when there's not a lot of transparency from, from the infringing reports. They'll just basically say, Hey, we, you know, we don't agree with your, your report. And, that, and that's like, that's like it, right? Like, so it's really hard to know yeah. how to get 90%. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely hard to get 90%. I think it's more about, you know, it's very selectively choosing who, you know, you're reporting, you know, if it's, it's a blatant knockoff, it's a blatant violation of your brand, you know, you probably have a higher chance of getting, you know, a verified, you know, claim on your, and then getting that percentage up. Um, but with regards to Amazon's transparency and things like that, you know, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely lacking in that respect. You know, there's not too much, but at least they do provide a tool. And while it may not be project zero may not be, you know, right for everyone, it's a supplement to their brand registry. So you still have all the tools of the brand registry and things like that. You know, the project zero would just be a supplement to that, to, you know, do things quicker. I know a couple of, uh, there's a couple of companies, I know off the top of my head, like BMW, uh, uh, there's another one, oh my gosh, Lily, uh, either way, BMW and things like that, they have a high success rate and they do it, but I feel like they're very selective in doing and reporting which ones that they actually report. Yeah, so I, I, clearly there's a use case for the national brands, like everybody mm -hmm. wants to knock off BMW, like, right? But like <laughs> like the, the mom and pop shops out there, the side hustlers or the small businesses, you know, they are looking at at this and saying, hey, they, they, uh, they, they're using my trademark name um, on their listing, take mm -hmm. it down, right? Um, yeah. you know, and, then, and then there's the compatible with language, which is kind of a confusing topic, right? Like mm -hmm. uh, if you sell something that's compatible with Lego, for example, and well, Lego just, they don't, they don't want anything compatible with Lego. They're just gonna report everything. So yeah. hopefully this is something that would maybe give, um, some uh like hey hey lego don't report everything you know kind mm -hmm. of stuff but like yeah because uh, if they don't get the 90 percent, they won't get the automation but exactly i, I don't know so there, there could be some benefits to to the the smaller sellers by having the big sellers enroll in this because then mm -hmm. it forces people to be like you know good actors on both fronts i guess maybe yeah yeah definitely and even you know even if Amazon doesn't act on it, you still outside of Amazon because you have that that valuable trademark. You can still act outside of Amazon, send cease and desist letters, you know, sue in federal court, things like that for violating trademarks. So, you, go ahead. So I was just saying. So you know, even though you know you have the Amazon brain registry, you have a very selective, you know, and an inclusive, uh, exclusive uh, Project Zero. There are other remedies that come along with trademark, you know, protection and other benefits. Uh, outside of Amazon as well to get a trademark registration. 
So, so I think most people that sell on Amazon aren't really thinking outside of the Amazon box. Now, yeah. obviously they should, they need to diversify and they need to sell on all the other marketplaces, Walmart, Etsy, eBay. They need to sell on their own website, get a Shopify site, and they should think about retail someday. Um, <clears throat> maybe not in the pandemic world, but, uh, <laughs> but so, so I think, I think that goes without saying, but uh, that advice is going to fall on mostly deaf ears in my opinion. I think, I think everybody's just, they're focused on Amazon. That's what they want to do and, mm-hmm. and, and all the better to them. Um, so one of the, one of the recent changes though, and you kind of, you made me think about this with, uh, with the off Amazon aspects, cease and desist letters, that, that, that phrase, um, made me think about this. So, so a recent Amazon change is that they now actually display your address of your business, um, mm-hmm. on Amazon. And so do, does, does that change help, um, with your intellectual property cease and desist aspects or, or was there other ways you guys were using before to kind of take that down? Yeah. So, I mean, it's always beneficial to have, you know, that address, you know, exactly where to send your letter or things like that. The other way before that happened, you know, you would go on to individual states, you know, um, business corporations, like in Florida, you have SunBiz, it's a corporation listing of everything and has, you know, the the principal address of the business and things like that. But, you know, sometimes if the name is obscure or or it might not be the actual name of the corporation, it'd be harder to, you know, find and send. So it definitely is a benefit to having uh, an address listed, by Amazon and things like that, for, especially for sending cease and desist letters. So, so that is one thing that added a little bit of transparency to mm-hmm. the platform. Um, most sellers were a little nervous about that, and especially like the side hustlers, you're gonna have now have like their home address display. And mm-hmm. I got a lot of questions like, hey, should I change my address? Um, and, I, and I said, you know, honestly, I, I'd probably leave this one alone. We don't know why Amazon's doing this. Mm-hmm. And if, if you start, I mean, they're probably trying to cut down on counterfeiting or something or bad actors. But, yeah. but if you change your address and then all of a sudden they mail your next uh, payment by check, mm-hmm. what do you do? Uh, so, you, yeah. you know, we don't know how Amazon's going to go about that. So, um, but I, anyway, I know I, I'm not looking for you to weigh in on that particular question. It's just more of like a germane connection mm-hmm. to, to the topic. Um, all right. So let's, let's talk about uh, enrolling brands in brand registry. Recently, Amazon came out um, with a couple of programs. There's the IP Accelerator, um, mm-hmm. and you can get your brand registry quicker. They also have a, okay. freer, a free version. If you have a pending trademark right now, you can now enroll it quicker to get your brand registry. So that's a benefit to me. We sell trademarks at my Amazon guy. I'm sure you guys sell trademark services as well. Um, mm-hmm. So now you can get what's, um, what's called a pending trademark request to yeah. get brand registry. Super, super beneficial. Um, mm-hmm. Faster faster ways to get brand registry. What are, what are your thoughts on some of these developments? No, I definitely think that that's a, that's a great uh, process. I know with that, you know, there's a very select few, going back to transparency, there's very select few law firms that they actually allow on that list. Um, I know we applied, but it's almost, you know, a couple law firms that I know have applied, it's almost like a black hole. When you apply to a law firm, there's no real feedback back. You know, once you apply, it's just, like I said, a black hole. You don't know what you did, why you may are being delayed or, or whatnot. So I think there's definitely some improvement that Amazon can do on that. But with respect to the pending trademarks, um, I definitely think that's beneficial for sellers. You know, one of my main concerns with that is, though, is, you know, even if you have a pending trademark, you don't know if it's actually going to be approved eventually or later on. You know, the only way to do that is, you know, one, either have an attorney search and get a good idea of just a basic knockout search. Or 
if you know it eventually you know matures into a trademark registration or gets rejected but you know within that course of time if you're taking off other um people's uh, uh other people's products and and, and goods then and it's not going to be a valid trademark so i don't think that that's beneficial in that sense you know because i could go on you know and file a trademark are, are you saying i need to think ahead uh who cares about next year that, that the guy <laughs> the guy that has to deal with my account next year who cares about him you know, so, <laughs> yeah. um, but so, so yeah, obviously there's a lot of benefit to what you're, what you're talking about with, with that in mind. Um, so whenever, whenever you file a trademark, there's probably some common mistakes. One of the, one of the most common mistakes I see is that, um, people will, will try and obtain a trademark with, uh, with, with a name that's too descriptive. Yeah. Hey, I'm selling, uh, I'm selling big art and I'm going to call it big art picks. Yeah, hate to break it to you, trademark office is going to reject that one. Mm -hmm. uh, so, um, I and 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 my you know my Amazon guy, we we file about one trademark a week. It's not our main business, obviously. We just do it because Amazon sellers need it. You guys yeah. probably do a lot more in this world. What are mm -hmm. some of the common mistakes people need to know or understand about trademarks or intellectual property in general? Yeah, uh, the descriptive one is a great example. Uh, another common one is trademarks need to be filed in the name of the entity that's actually using the mark. Um, so for example, if you're filing a trademark, you're, let's say you have a bookstore and you're selling books, um, atomic books, for example, and you file the trademark in the name of yourself as an individual, but your bookshop is the one that's actually going to be receiving the funds, that's actually going to be an invalid trademark. Um, the trademark office won't actually tell you that when you apply. They'll assume that the ownership information is correct. But, you know, 10, 15 years down the road, you know, if it ever comes up into litigation and you're trying to enforce it, you know, your, your trademark is going to be invalid from the start. So you really need to make sure that when you sell a book, for example, wherever that money is going, whoever receives that money is the owner of the trademark, whether it's the business or yourself as an individual. And I see a lot of times clients will come to us and they maybe they get it office action later on. And then we eventually find out that, you know, it's filing the wrong entity name and they have to start over, you know, pay the government filing fees and, and all of that over again. So, so you mentioned 10 or 15 years. So that's the life of a trademark essentially, right? 10 years. And then you have to renew it. Is that right? Yeah, you have to renew. So the life of trademarks, you can have trademarks indefinitely, you know, as long as you're continuously using the trademark in commerce, you, you can, you know, put that on indefinitely. One, a good example is Disney. You know, a lot of uh, their uh, Mickey Mouse and things are going to be coming off of copyright. So they're trying to transition Mickey Mouse, and I think they've done a pretty well, good job of this, into trademark because that, will, that protection lasts indefinitely rather than, you know, a shorter period of time. Um, but then there are renewal fees and, and things like that, you know, after um, every so many years to, in order to keep up the trademark registration. That's the main purpose of that is to make sure there's not stale trademarks or trademarks that aren't going to be, aren't being used in commerce that's still on there that's going to prevent someone else. So, so one thing I know nothing about is trademark renewal and that's because my mm -hmm. business is, you know, three years old and mm -hmm. I haven't had to renew a trademark yet because those things last 10 years. So how does one renew a trademark? Yeah. So it's actually a pretty simple process. Um, you know, when you first filed your trademark, I'm sure you, you had to put a specimen in and things like that you know, and, and then sign a document saying that you were, you know, using the mark in commerce before you're able to get a registration. So it's pretty much the same thing where you just need another specimen and you just sign another declaration saying that this is still used in commerce. Uh, we do them all the time uh, for our firm as, you know, as well. 
it, and then, is, is it like, is there an application fee for that or you just submit it or how does that there work? Is a, there is a government filing fee. And then if you do go through an attorney, there, are, there will be a, a small legal fee as well. It, but. Is, is it the same fee as filing the trademark? The, like that 275? Um, I'm, I would have to double check. I'm not 100% okay. sure. On no, the, that yeah, fee. no no worries. I'm just kind of curious if it was like a different application yeah, and, form or whatever. Yeah, it might be a smaller fee. You know, like for example, like statement of use is, is not the 275 if you're filing. Got, but got it. it, it I have to double check. <laughs> All right. So last trademark question, then we're going to talk patents. So, so what, where do you see trademark uh, stuff going? Where, where do you see the industry heading and, you know, the changes with Amazon, I'm sure could be spurning more trademark filings. I'm, you know, yeah. what are your, what are your general observations of like where the field is going? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, with, you know, the more and more counterfeit goods people see, the more and more you know, people are going to realize they really need to protect what is theirs and what they, their hard-earned intellectual property. Um, so I definitely see the field growing. And the more that companies like Amazon um, do, do this and, and make it easy for people to enforce their rights when they have it, you know, is definitely going to spur growth. And I definitely think that the industry, at least for trademarks, is going to continue growing and, and continue being a valuable tool in, in an Amazon seller's toolkit. And, and do you think, do you think more uh, non-company corporate entities are getting trademarks these days? Like the, the side hustlers out there, do you think that's part of the change or? Absolutely. You know, anyone can benefit from a trademark. You know, if you're selling, let's say, you know, fishing lures, you know, out of your, out of your truck, you know, down by the, the, down by the pier, you're at least eligible for, you know, a state trademark registration and things like that. You know, so, you know, anybody can do these. A lot of the trademarks that our office files is actually for, you know, individual small businesses, things like that, rather than corporate entities. So really anyone is open for, for, uh, for trademark protection. Got it. Okay. Let's now talk patents. I know nothing about patents. <laughs> um, the only reason I don't even know anything about trademarks is just because of the necessity of selling on Amazon. So yeah. um, <clears throat> what is Amazon's neutral patent evaluation? Tell me about that. Yeah, so that's a really that's a really great tool that that Amazon that Amazon has. Um, so when you have a uh, oh, excuse me a pat a pat and a registered patent with the United States Patent Trademark Office, and you find an infringing product on Amazon. So let's say you you manufacture uh, vacuum cleaners and then you find an infringing vacuum cleaner that infringes your patent. You can you know go to Amazon, fill out a form, say hey Amazon, this is my patent. This is the infringing product, and I believe it violates uh, my patent. Amazon will take a look at it, and if they agree um, or they see some merit to it, they'll um, give the seller of that product 21 days to respond to the um, to the agreement. So, with that, what that means is it's not optional for the Amazon seller. If the Amazon seller doesn't respond and, and agree to the neutral patent evaluation then the, the infringing listing is automatically taken down. So it's really beneficial for the, if you know if they believe that their product doesn't infringe, that they respond. So when you respond, you have to give $4,000 to um, essentially a mediator. It's, a, it's another patent attorney or patent professional, you know, knowledgeable in the field, um, and it's essentially held in trust. So you give the, the, the person asserting the patent gives $4,000, and the person uh, defending, their, defending their product gives $4,000. Um, you submit arguments back, you know, to the essentially briefs or arguments, you know, mini pseudo litigation to that, that, that patent evaluator. They're going to take a look over everything and then they'll decide. Um, if they believe that 
that evaluator believes that the um, that the patent holder is likely to secede and likely to um, and that product is likely to invalidate, then the that product will be taken off of Amazon and the uh, $4,000 gets refunded to the patent holder and the $4,000 that the seller has goes to the evaluator. So basically what I'm hearing is it's a neutral way to fight patents back and forth and it's a faster resolution like with an arbiter. Is that a fair way to summarize? Yeah, yeah, I definitely think that that would be a fair way to do it. Okay. So, so that makes perfect sense. So, um, I think one of the topics that people listening to this, um, probably very rare for, for patents to be filed for most Amazon sellers, maybe one or two out of a hundred would probably end up doing it. Um, and that's because most people end up selling, um, a co-op demand product. So a, a lookalike or a me too product versus something that's got like some actual utility to it. So, I don't know that people will be interested on how to file a patent. They'll, they'll probably hunt you down if they, they, they're interested in that. But I do think a lot of my listeners will want to know, how do I fight somebody claiming that I'm violating their trademark or patent? And, and maybe they're not actually violating, but they have to fight it. What, what advice yeah. would you give them? My advice would definitely be to contact an experienced intellectual property attorney, whether it's you're fighting a trademark or you're fighting a patent, especially for the patent side of things. Um, I know we recently did a, did a, did a, um, a neutral patent evaluation that we won. Um, and one of the, the, the drawbacks of the other side was that they just hired an engineer to explain the differences or not the differences, but how theirs is, is superior. But in the realm of patents, you know, and what's irrelevant, superior is irrelevant. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's irrelevant. It's all about what the claims are and the law. So, you know, one of the partners at our law firm, you know, we also file intellectual, um, inter-party reviews, which is, you know, before the patent and trademark office. And what, what those is, you essentially make claim charts, you know, you can take a look at the claims, take a look at the products, and it's really technical diving into both the law and what the product is and how it infringes rather than just, oh, mine's superior because it operates 50% faster, but that's irrelevant for, you know, intended use, things like that's all irrelevant for, uh, you know, on comparing and seeing if it infringes. So I definitely would recommend hiring a patent attorney just to even just take a look or provide guidance for you. Yeah. One of those Reddit threads where they say, I know I'm not a lawyer, but uh, comes to mind. Um, so with, with that in mind, a lot of small businesses are going to have a tough decision, right? So um, should I let my product go or should I fight? That's yeah. probably the main question on the minds of people who have to deal with this. Um, obviously you're advocating go get an expert, but some businesses may look at the, the bottom line and have to make a business decision on whether yeah. to fight. So could you give me your honest feedback on where they should draw that bright line? Like when should somebody fight? When should somebody let it go? Any advice you have on that's great. My best advice would be find, find an attorney who does free consultations. Like our, our law firm, you know, when you sign up for a consultation with us, it's free. We will take a look at it and we'll give you an honest opinion based on the facts of the case and you know, we'll take a look at their patent. We'll take a look at um, what the product is and, and we'll give you an honest feedback during that call, whether we think, you know, it's worth your time and money to go and move forward. We don't want, we wouldn't want it. We personally don't want to spend you. Uh, we personally want to spend your money, how we would spend our own money. You know, we're not, we wouldn't want to waste your money. So I would recommend that you would seek a help of a, you know, patent trademark attorney who does the free consultations up front. And then, you know, especially, 
Um, so that way you know and, and you have better guidance rather than taking a look at it and be like, eh, I don't know. You know, it's, it's hard to do that just right off the front, you know, without having at least a little bit of uh, patent knowledge or patent experience. Well, I think that's, I think that's fair advice, especially a free consultation can't beat that. So Stephen, if somebody yeah. wanted to get in contact with you for, for said free consultation, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our law firm is called Smith & Hopin. Um, we focus on patents, trademarks, and copyrights. Um, that's all we do, you know, IP focused. Um, you can go to smithhopen.com. S-M-I-T-H-H-O-P-E-N.com. You can also Google us. Uh, our law firm is located in Tampa, but we service clients uh, around the country and around the world. So I'll have a link to Smith Hopin on the, um, the show notes for those that are interested. Uh, so you don't have to hit replay and listen <laughs> to him spell that out phonetically. Um, but cool. Well, Stephen, I appreciate you coming on. Last question for you. What makes your heart sing? And you can go any route you want with that question. <laughs> Oh my gosh. What makes my heart? I love cooking. So, you know, when I cook a meal and, and, and I get to taste it and reap the rewards after it, Oh, that's just, that's just the best feeling in the world. <laughs> what about you? Um, I, I, I definitely the three kids under five right now. Um, especially <laughs> my daughter, I like I've had two boys and then all of a sudden a daughter comes along and it's like, she pulls at the heartstrings. So that's oh. like, you know, it's just totally different. I don't know what yeah. it is, but, um, well, we just, we just had prime day this week. Uh, and, and I, I'm, I'm also just kind of pulling. Did you buy anything for Prime Day? Um, I didn't. Uh, I was kind of laid back this Prime Day. Uh, I just got engaged. So we're kind of trying to save a little bit of money. Thanks. So we're trying to save some money off for the wedding and things like that. So um, we're definitely cut back on the Amazon spending. <laughs> well, it's, it's always good to be the taxi driver of, of Amazon. As you know, I kind of coined that this week, uh, just mm -hmm. talking to people and seeing how they're interacting. So not uh, trying to evaluate how big Prime Day was this year. And I think it was up about 35% week over That's week, awesome. but um, not, not too much to write home about. Who knows if it will kick <laughs> off the holiday season. Well, good mm -hmm. luck with the, the wedding planning and all that's going on. And, and Stephen, I appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. This was the My Amazon Guy podcast with Stephen Pope. Each episode helps you grow your sales on Amazon through ideas on traffic and conversion rate improvements. Hit that subscribe button right now to tune in each week. And if you need more help, go to myamazonguy.com.